Congratulations, you made it to the X-Fill. You can relax, unpack your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope you come along with us on that journey. Real quick this week, just another reminder. We have the PC giveaway going on through XP Media and another XP Media podcast winner winner. That's our PUBG podcast. We're giving away a PC on that podcast. Everybody at the Xfil is welcome. Make sure that you enter. Don't forget we're recording this on the 13th of October, and this runs through the end of October 2020, so make sure you get in on that. The best way to support us, on the other hand, is to share the show with a friend. Make sure that if somebody is new picking up Tarkov, if they are struggling, whatever's going on, if they love the game, invite them into the community, show them some support, bring them into the Discord. We look forward to welcoming them like we do with everybody. We also have a direct support option with Patreon. And lastly, you can uh, support all of our social channels, whether it's on Twitter or YouTube at XP Media Now. That's youtube.com forward slash XP Media Now. And if you're looking for me specifically, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at MTB Trigger, and you can always message me on Discord as well. But that's it for the beginning. Ronald, how are you, man? Let these folks know how they can get in touch with you as well. Hey, what's up, everybody? Doing pretty good today. The best way to get in touch with me is always in Discord. Go ahead and shoot me a DM any time of the day. We're answering DMs all the time in Discord and engaging in the Xfield community, which is awesome. There's also uh, Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Ronald Gaming. And if you need to email the show with something slightly more formal or just something you can't do in Discord, go ahead and send an email to xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. You can also find me hanging out in uh, MTB Trigger's stream on Twitch. I'll be hanging out there a couple days a week talking with people in chat while Trigger owns it up in whatever game he's playing. And lastly, I want to talk about our Patreon option. We have this new $1 option for a tier. I want to say thank you to the people that have taken advantage of that and give a special ask for if you can't afford a dollar a month to support the show, it would greatly help MTB and I expand the XFIL and expand XP Media and do some projects that we'd really like to do. Please consider it. Uh, if you can't, we totally understand. But if you do have a buck a month that you could throw towards the show with Patreon, that would be awesome. Well, that's pretty much it for hideout keeping. So let's get right into it today. And the first thing we had to talk about is actually a raid that we did on Shoreline. Trigger, let's get into this. Yeah, man, that was actually awesome. So we had a rare couple hour block this week where we were both free. There was no editing to be done. And... We said, hey, what should we do? And we're like, let's go jump into a big map because oftentimes when we would carve out an hour or whatever else, we'd start talking about the show or we would get into planning or we'd have some audio track that needed to get edited. But we had a couple hours. So we said, let's let's jump into some shoreline. Let's do reserve. Let's do something 
longer form. Let's plan on being in the raid. Let's get some tasks done. Let's do whatever. So Ronald finally won and said, let's do Shoreline. I've got some tasks there. And of course, that's his home map. And I I was all about it. So, you know, it, it was really cool. So I don't remember what tasks you had. You had one of the signals, I think. Yep. Yeah. What What were the tasks we were working on? We had the task to go and mark the three satellite dishes. So whatever signals that is, that's actually to place the marker beacons on them. Yeah. And then we had therapist task to go and discover the colleagues. I think it was colleagues part one or something. We have to go and discover the body under the white sheets, under the helicopter, in the village, and then on the pier. Right. So we knew we were going to go in and do the tasks and... We also knew that we wanted to be on the map for a while. So I haven't been going like fully decked out PMC. I've just kind of been doing scav runs and then some factory and then interchange here and there. But I was oftentimes trying to take loot off of people and take it out. But this time we're both in an economy position where we're like, let's go, let's go all the way. So I went in, I was like, I'm taking a Reaper. (laughs) And we had had this conversation a couple weeks ago where it was like, kitting out for different roles. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take in a thermal. It doesn't really matter which side of the map we spawn in. You brought out the famous Chadar. <laughs> I love the <laughs> With, Chadar, man. I know. And it was Valde, right? You're rocking the Valde scope? Mm-hmm. Yep, Valde. Yep. So we spawn in. And again, our goal was just to get tasks done and spend time. No other agenda. Because I was bringing in the thermal, we talked about it ahead of time that we were going to go potentially up to the resort to get that therapist task done. But we weren't going to go all over the map. Or excuse me, we weren't going to go into the actual resort. So first and foremost, it was kind of cool to plan this out ahead of time because that alone made me feel comfortable taking in the Reaper because I didn't want to lose it. At the end of the day, I didn't really care, but I really didn't want to lose it. But we started over near Road to Customs, and I remember we spawn in, and it's like total role reversal, right? Like, I remember when we were going into factory, and I'm like, okay, look this way. Here's where they're going to come from. This is what's going on. And we spawn in, and it was just like, you take over. (laughs) It was like, all right, there's going to be guys coming from this way, coming from this way. We need to go up this hill. We need to be looking that direction. Tell me if you see anything. Let's move up here. And I'm just like, all right, let's go. Whatever. Let's let's go. So what spawn did we hit? Where did we go? What was in your mind as we entered that raid when we got that spawn point? Well, the first thing that we were doing was clearing the area between Road to Customs and getting up to the weather station. So we were working our way kind of through the forest there. And what was going through the back of my mind whenever I spawn at Road to Customs is I know there's another spawn point to clear to my left down by the shore. There's the one that's in the junkyard down by the uh, industrial area. And you could even spawn right in the corner by the scav tower in that area as well, which is the, is it the CCP operative exit or something, you know, that, that area. You can spawn over there as well. So knowing full well that there could be people coming from that direction, you having the thermal, we were scanning in that direction to begin with right away. And as we were running through the field, we started to look to our right Because what you're going to hit is the people who spawn on the fence that are running towards resort. And sure enough, we did find somebody running towards resort. And you took some shots at him. (laughs) Carefully worded. Yes, I did take some shots. I scared the absolute crap out of him, but we did not take him out. I hadn't shot a thermal scope since the end of last wipe. 
sometimes I forget how grainy the actual thermal image is compared to the Valde and the Voodoo, which have become my go-to scopes this wipe. Like if I can put a Valde on, I do it. If I'm feeling spicy, I go with the Voodoo. And that graininess of the Reaper, I was potatoing all over the place. I don't even know where the shots were hitting. I just know that he heard the shots, they were nearby, and he was gone. (laughs) You know, he was running left and right and all around. And he was probably 200 meters out. I mean, it was a long shot to give myself a little bit of credit, but I totally missed every shot. And he disappeared off towards the pier somewhere. Uh, It was easily 200 meters. It might have even been a little bit longer. We were catching basically that spawn that's halfway up the fence. And that guy was running towards resort. So yeah. The next thing I was thinking about is, okay, what are we going to do? So we did need to end up at resort, but we were close enough to the weather station that it was time to go up there and loot, clear out the scavs, loot, see what we could get. Maybe try to get through and pick up a quick graphics card or something or a Letex or not a Letex, a Tetris from inside that room, whatever we could find. So we worked our way up into that area. You killed two scavs that were in the yard. And then there's a cheeky little hiding spot for people who are doing Shooter Born in Heaven in the tower there. And so as we kind of came up, you were watching that tower and I ran towards the building and we were trying to do two things there, really. I was trying to draw out somebody from the tower if they were trying to do Shooter Born in Heaven with you having the thermal on the tower, just in case. And it turns out there wasn't anybody up there, but that's a good thing to remember if you're in that area because that is a classic hiding spot for Shooter Born in Heaven. Went up, went upstairs to the second story in the power station, looted a couple things, didn't spend too much time there. And then we were on our way. Now, we did hit my new favorite descent point towards the uh, pier and gas station area. There's a little hole in the rocks on the south facing cliffs by the power station. And it's a little bit of a gap where you can actually get all the way down to the ground level without incurring any fall damage. It's a great way to get quickly down and out of a potential bad situation that's happening if you're in a fight in power station. And it's also just a faster way to get back down to ground level to head towards the pier in the gas station area. Yeah, I kind of want to outline this too, though, because we finished at the weather station and the shooter born in heaven spot that Ronald's talking about is on that tallest tower on the weather station. There's that platform up there. And so we, we scoped that out. We cleared it. And right then, I mean, and we didn't spend much time getting to this point other than the 20, 25 seconds we were shooting at that first enemy. And then we start hearing the shots ring out at resort. And it was like, okay, we're already really far from resort. There's no reason for us to rush there. So we thought the next best thing to do was to go towards gas station and see if we could reconnect with the guy that ran away towards gas station, or if we could catch the people that were avoiding resort and crossing down there. So this is when we took that little shortcut that Ronald was just talking about, which it kind of looks like a really steep rock slide. And right now it doesn't take any damage, but I'm wondering if this is going to be one of those spots you have to be careful in with the new fall damage change in 12.8. So either this week or whenever this comes out, this one could be interesting. It may be one you have to be more careful on. I still think it's shallow enough that we shouldn't have to worry about it. But we took that down and then we kind of made our way over to the gas station area 
We heard a shot ring out from the top of gas station, and I look over and the sniper scav on top of power had been killed. And I don't know if it was that shot or not. So we kind of hung out in that area on the east side of the river, not on the road, and kind of on those hills that are right there, just checking out power, checking out gas, checking out pier. We spent quite a bit of time there because we controlled that choke point. We kind of knew where all the action was. And the only thing that was unaccounted for was the guy that ran down the road towards gas station at that point. And it's an important thing, too, because we didn't need to be in a hurry at that point. We're still 40 minutes left and we're sitting there and we controlled the gas station. And there's two scavs that are on deserted beach that you have to watch out for. They pat around and you got to find them. Like Trigger said, there was some shots being fired up at the power station, most likely taking out scavs in that area. So we we waited. Now, I had a quest to complete that was on the pier. And what I did was Trigger covered me. I just ran up on the pier, ran down the side, got up there, got my quest item and got out. No big deal. Easy. And we got back to basically on that rock that's facing the gas station and the pier in that corner. We had a decision to make. Do we go up towards resort now or do we go over to Villa or what do we do? Or do we cross here or not? And so in Shoreline, there is only a couple of really safe places to cross, especially on the south half of the map. You really have three. You can cross in the power station area. You can cross at gas station or you can go up to resort. And of course, you can cross there as well. So knowing that, we decided it was the perfect moment to cross. So we made sure we crossed the river and then we worked our way up the side of gas station, still looking for the guy who was shooting at Sniper Scav the whole time, who we didn't see. We didn't see anybody. We And then we worked our way up and past Power Station, up the side of the river, into the resort area. Now, this is an interesting spot because we didn't intend to go inside, but as everybody knows, you need to be careful because you can be heard outside very easily. Yeah, and I think one of the most interesting things for me was I hadn't used the thermal scopes since they changed how they work with glass. So it used to be you would take a thermal up to the resort area and you could see clear as day somebody moving between the windows. But now it's just kind of like a smoke screen. So we got up to the wall and it was like, I'm useless here on the outside. So it's like, we need to do this and get out because I think there was a part of both of us that was like, well, we're here. (laughs) Maybe we should go in. And I made the call and I said, I can't see in these windows. I think we need to clear this and get out of here. But we got the task done in front of the helicopter. And it's interesting, this decision process, because you said something a minute ago that's very true. And I didn't think about it. You had a task done at the gas station. I didn't think about it that that was the first time that we could have left. And it was the thing I want to talk about in a few minutes, but that's interesting. So we did make the decision back there. Then we got the helicopter task done, which was the body underneath the medical blanket. And then you're like, hey, I need to get up on the roof. We're here. We don't hear anything. And then like right as we're saying that, we hear shots ring out inside the east building. And so we're like, let's wrap around west. Let's get up on the roof as fast as we can. So we we start working our way around. And he's outside the fence at this point. I'm inside because a scav had come out. And I took it out and I wanted to see the loot, of course. And then we heard those shots ring out. So then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go in side of the fence. You kind of come outside. Let's make sure we don't get flanked up that rock wall on the west side of the resort. So he comes around. I come around. We meet up. 
near the entrance to West. And then we work our way up the wall. And as we're getting ready to go up the metal stairs, we start hearing footsteps all over the place right on the other side of that. And we're in a spot where we can get naded. They can see us. I can't see in with a thermal scope. So I made the call like, let's go up and get up and just let's send it. And fortunately, we both got off safely. And then we were using that high point to look down and clear our surroundings. And there's nobody in any direction on the west side. I mean, we're looking all over. We don't see anything on the thermal scans. So we stay up there for a little bit, but we got the signal task done. So now at this point, I forgot that you had three actually. So at this point, you went and got your signal task done. So now you had three complete tasks done and we're on the roof of the West Resort. Yeah. And on the way to that, if you remember, there's one other thing. There was a scab that came out of the woodwork and was shooting at me with a Taz. And he was sitting in the terminal area as I was running kind of around the rocks to meet you on the other side of the fence. And so that was just another annoyance, but it was dangerous because the scab was giving away my position. There was a PMC there. And of course, there's PMCs in the resort. So we took care of the scav and we, we moved on. But yeah, we did make our way to the roof. I did place the signal relay and then we made our way out and we started heading west towards Villa. And when we were going through the woods, the big concern here is two major things. At this point in the raid, we're at about 20 minutes, 17 to 20 minutes, which yeah. means that a lot of the big PvP is already done. The geared boys are on their way out. And the question is, where are they going out? And we had stopped hearing grenades and fighting in the resort at this point. And there's scavs in the woods between terminal and box truck in various places. So we're doing thermal scans and we're making our way towards Villa. And we have to kind of make a choice because we actually ran into a very interesting situation at Villa. I think before we talk about Villa, I think there was a really critical communication point where we knew that fighting had happened on East. And at this point, my PVP instincts had started to swell, right? Because I shot and missed early. We killed a couple scavs along the way. The only person that we knew where they were at that point was the team on East. And it's like, we thought that was the team that started on our side of the map and was in East. So they're probably going the same way. It was at that point that I started to think, ooh, maybe we should fight these guys. And then I'm like, okay, so should we look for these guys? There was fighting maybe up at Rock Passage. Uh, we still got a lot of time. What do you want to do? And you made the call to say, I've got three complete tasks. I think we should get out and reset. And then we can come back and do PVP. But I want to get these turned in. So that was the conversation, leaving resort, heading to Villa. And then, yes, we did run into an interesting situation at Villa. There was actually one more at Villa. If you remember, we had to get in there to look under the white blanket, the white sheet to get the last of the uh, therapist tasks to find the colleagues. There was several scavs, including one player scav that were in Villa. And it actually ended up leaving you at the high ground and me pinned inside of the yard. Yeah, that's right. That was crazy because I remembered the PvP. <laughs> I didn't I didn't remember. I forgot you actually had a fourth thing to do on the map. That's crazy. I forgot. See, like this is the just the mindset that goes on and like these key events that are going. So this is wild actually. So we go in, nothing's going on. He goes up to the blanket, gets the task complete. And then we hear movement in the cottage that's in the middle of that first compound. So if you're familiar with it, you've got the key to the cabin. And it's not that one, but it's the one directly next to it. And we hear footsteps and it's more than one footstep. And I'm now outside of the fence 
back towards resort and Ronald's in there hugging the wall on one of the fences near those little greenhouses. And I'm just like, I can't figure out exactly where he is. We're both streaming on Discord and I'm looking at his stream like, where are you? Because there's like four of those greenhouses and I can't exactly pinpoint him. I want to throw a grenade because I think I know where this player scav is, but I'm not going to risk grenading him. So we got in a situation where we had to kind of hole up for a little while. And then the scav kind of came out. I took some shots, missed and then finally got an angle and shot one, and then we were able to connect, and then we heard another set of footsteps, and we had to wait that one out because we we wanted to go loot. I'm on the way to loot that first kill, and then I hear footsteps directly to my right at that cabin again. So fortunately, we were able to clear that scab, and then you're right, I was wrong. I thought you had three, but it was four, and it was at that point when I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm fired up because we just had this PvP encounter and I'm like, let's go. Let's keep doing this thing. Should we go back to resort? And you're like, uh. <laughs> yeah, at that point, it was time to kind of head out. I mean, we're we're sitting probably at about seven or eight minutes left. So we head down towards the coast. And obviously, when you're coming out of Villa, you're going to be heading towards the tunnel extract. And there's a couple things you got to watch as you go past downtown. There's sometimes people sniping out of downtown up towards that bunker and barge kind of area. And you have to be careful because you can just get clapped in that area very easily. So we're coming down the hill. And one of the things that happened was I made a mistake here. I got a little greedy. I should, I had two tasks complete. I should have just ran to tunnel and extracted, but I saw three scavs on Scav Island. But why were we going to Scav Island though? Because we could have taken a much more direct route to tunnel. Well, one of the things we realized was you actually had another task that you could complete by going and finding a car that required us to backtrack towards gas station. Yeah. Past pond all the way back towards basically deserted beach and gas station. Yeah. And so we did th- we did that. We we moved our way back and this took us down to about 3 minutes left. And I think we both honestly made a mis- we made a couple mistakes here and that's why we're talking about this ending because the ending is very interesting. Yeah, let's talk about what happened and then I want to go back because I I agree man. I know I made some mistakes and as we talked about it I, th- I think I think you know you you almost let one slip there but let them know what happened. Let's talk through what happened first. So working our way back towards the extract after you had completed your last task. I stopped a little bit past pond before the sign that's at the T intersection on the main road. I stopped. I had an okay spot and I took some shots at Scav Island. And I hit two of the three scavs, and the third one I missed. And I got a little annoyed, and I had another minute left. And I, I made the mistake of assuming that at like one minute, 45 seconds, there just weren't any more players basically left. And so I was taking pot shots at a scav, and I should have been just, I was ready to run towards the tunnel extract, like literally within three or four seconds, and I get shot from behind. Now, I'm wearing a Giselle, so I absorb the first three shots, and I'm running, and I don't know where they're coming from, and so I ran towards cover, and I almost made it back to Trigger was in the bunker area on the road by tunnel, and he was right behind the wall, and I almost made it back to him, and I die. And so I had two tasks complete. I had 25,000 XP worth of tasks. I had at least five or six scav kills worth of XP done. I had a bunch of loot and I die. 
with like two minutes left in the raid. And then these two juice PMCs are coming after Trigger. I was going to say, so that's your perspective. (laughs) It was crazy, though, because the angle they got, and Ronald described it perfectly, we're coming down the street, we're on the inside slope of that hill, and I'm at that concrete bunker where there's that weapon crate, and Ronald's a little behind me. And their first shots were at me. And they missed. And I was able to jump through the bunker out the other side. And they did hit me once because I had a bleed. So I'm fixing a bleed. I'm like, I don't know where those shots came from. It had to be behind because I'm in the bunker. And Eric's like, I don't know where I don't know where they are. I don't have anywhere to go. And these shots were fully suppressed. All I heard was me getting hit and then thud, thud. Right? I didn't know how close they were. I didn't know what angle they came from. And he's like, I'm trying to get to cover. I'm trying to get to cover. They got me. And then in that moment, first of all, I have to give you props because he immediately just went quiet. Not, I can't believe they got me. Oh my gosh, I had all these tasks. And I asked him a question, do you know where they were? And he's like, I think they were up the hill behind me. And then he went quiet and he let me finish out this situation. So I'm on the backside of that bunker. I had fixed my bleed. And my mindset at that point was, okay, my teammate's dead. I want to save his loot. They're probably thinking based on the amount of time left in the raid that I ran. My anticipation was they thought I exfilled, that I ran and left. I didn't move. I was on the backside of that bunker. I found a corner. There was a little um, little concrete road stop so that they couldn't come right up to me around the corner. And so I was looking out towards the beach, thinking that they would come down the road, and I was right. Now, I have an M1A with a Reaper, and I didn't put a cannon sight on. So I'm just rocking the Reaper. So, okay, I got a hip fire. I got a point fire here. And the first guy comes running up. I heard the other guy prone. So I'm assuming he's looting Ronald. This guy comes around the corner, and I shot like four bullets. I take him out. And then I immediately strafe out to the right and I catch this guy standing and running up the hill. And I probably hit him once or twice, but I didn't take him down. And then I reload and then I catch him up the hill and I take him out. When they died, there's what, like two or three minutes left maybe? Like there was not much time. So I'm like, I'm not going to chuck any of your gear. There's no way it's going to go anywhere. I'm going to loot these guys and get out. And I could tell from just the thermal image that they had some gear and they were both thick boys. They had cleared out the resort clearly and they had attack two bags, completely stuffed, guns, ammo, everything. So I did my best job to sort through that, got a ton of value out of it, waited until there was about a minute left, maybe maybe even less. And then I just booked it for the exfil and got out. So <laughs> we, we both got out and, and a couple things happened. I remember them. One was we were both like, Okay, that raid was awesome. And then we were both upset that we both didn't leave. And I was like, man, I'm so bummed that you're going to like have to wait for that gear on insurance or that we both didn't get out and you didn't get your tasks. And he, and Eric's like, I don't, I don't care about the gear. I have to redo all those tasks. And that was the moment that I was like, ugh, such a bummer. But there's a couple critical things that happened. So do you want to go first? I mean, I, I really want to talk about finishing the raid strong. And I want to talk about that kind of as our strategy topic this week, because there's a couple things that as I thought about this raid after the fact that I know I did wrong. And we talked about some of our key decision points during the raid, but there's a few things that we did that were just, man, we put ourselves in bad scenarios. So you want to kick it off here? Yeah, I think that we can rewind back to when we were coming out of Villa. There's less than 10 minutes left. 
when you said, hey, I can go get this other task done, I should have said, no trigger, we're going. <laughs> you know, but the reality of it is you develop in a raid after you're building success upon success. And honestly, we probably put a little bit too much faith in the fact that we had a Reaper with us. It's kind of like this warm blanket that you just take with you that you can just keep looking around everywhere. We put a little bit too much faith into that and that we had already done quite well. I should have just left. That would have been the smart thing to do and just reset and come back in and then, you know, live to play another day. Uh, beyond that, the other major, and I wouldn't say that that's not a mistake. That's just a lesson learned and when it's time to go. And that's Tarkov. The big mistake that I made is I gave away our position. I probably fired like 10 shots at that stupid scab that I missed. And it was unnecessary. I, I, I just didn't have to do it. And I did it because I had a false sense of security that we were still alone in the map, basically. We didn't hear anything in resort. We only saw scabs scanning the woods between terminal, construction, villa, and box truck all the way down. We only saw scabs. And these two PMCs were behind us the whole time. Basically, they were probably looting and cleaning up the resort when we were on our way out. That's probably what they were doing. I think they were the guys in East and they probably went to West and looted that before coming behind us. Yep. That's probably what happened. And if I wouldn't have wasted so much ammo firing at those scavs, we probably, just the time used and the sound that was made, it would have been interesting because we may have all ended up at tunnel together, which may have ended differently. It still, it still was interesting, but that that's my initial thoughts. Yeah. I think for me, it was a couple things. And again, I'm just going to come back to finishing the raid. Like we had an opportunity to just get out, complete three tasks of which one required two different events. And that's where I think we messed up. And, and a lot of it comes down to me. I'm literally, as he's doing some of these tasks, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm looking through my task book. I didn't even think about this before we went into Shoreline, but we're sitting there in Villa and we were in Villa for a long time. And to a point where I'm like, we're playing audio, we're sitting here. So I pull up my tasks. I'm like, I wonder if there's anything to do, to do over here. And I have, I think it's Artemum's car. And I'm like, I know where that is. It's past that second ambulance. It's right on the road. It's like directly south of us here. Should be no problem. Well, if you think about the path from Villa to Tunnel, there's a straight diagonal line, basically. And to go to this car, we actually had to go south and actually backtrack a bit. And the reason I bring this up is I wish it would have clicked in my mind, like backtracking when we've been in the raid for as long as we can is giving anybody that's behind us a chance to catch up. And we had so much done already. The other thing that I didn't think about was the Reaper is a warm blanket. The thermal is a warm blanket. It's like if somebody approaches us, I'm going to see him. And I was doing 360 spins the entire raid, just making sure that no one surprised us. Well, when you go down onto the street on shoreline, you're literally just able to see the shoreline. And now the entire vertical flat part of the map that the Reaper is so powerful on is useless. Basically, I mean, it's still really good for that spot, but the benefit of it is to basically, you know, draw a hundred plus meter circle around yourself and you can kind of see what's coming after you. And we took that away. So as we shot, we did two things. We backtracked, which took us closer to enemies, meaning they can hear our shots, even though they're suppressed and we allowed them to catch up. And then as we're taking shots onto Scav Island and it's just kind of crazy and this is Tarkov, right? But that last scab that we're shooting at missed 
and he goes behind that big ship on Scav Island. And we're both standing there for probably two seconds being like, is he going to come back out or is he gone? And we hesitated waiting to see if he came out the other side and he didn't. And those seconds were the difference between us being on the other side of that concrete bunker which means we probably just go to the exfil and those guys search for us near Scav Island and we never run into each other. And what happened? I guess for me, I just I left it and it's like you could look at it as success. Eric got his gear back. I got out with a bunch of really good gear, but we missed on all those tasks. And it's just a bummer. And so it's it wasn't as successful as it could have been. We both could have got out. We both could have had all of our gear. We could have queued back up for another raid. But it actually ended our night a little bit early, too, because we didn't really have time to gear back up to figure out what we're going to go and go do all that again. So it just was a lesson learned in finishing strong. Finish when you can. Take what the game gives you and get out when you can. Because if we had not veered south and then have to backtrack a little bit, I think it's an easy exfil. Now, we could have ran into another team. We just don't know. But I think we lowered our success chance by backtracking a little bit and modifying our plan later in the raid. I was like, hey, man, you mind if I get a task done? Well, at that point, we've cleared the whole map. We've killed all these scabs. We've looted all this stuff. We got all these tasks done. Our confidence was just going through the roof. I literally think it was like, oh, yeah, dude, let's get it done. You know, like there was no like hesitation. I mean, we're just like, let's go do it. At that point, I'm like, I got the Reaper. Like, no one's coming. I don't know, man. It, it was still a great raid. I think at the end of it, we both had fun. And we're talking about how it was actually awesome to be in a long raid together, which we hadn't done in quite a while. And it just could have been that much sweeter had we gotten out and turned all those tasks in. Yeah, it was it was fun to play that style because we've played a lot of factory, which of course is 15 minutes or less, right? Yeah. And we've done a lot of that recently, a lot of chatting around type raiding. And this was more about methodical clearing the map, pushing our way through. I, I'm really actually trying to figure out a way to say like, is it fun to die at the end and what did I care about when I died? Because I think Tarkov's in an interesting place, and it actually made me think about what I was disappointed with. I think it's super interesting you say that, because when I was editing the audio version of last week, where we talked about hardcore, you were talking about player mindset, hardcore mindset. And there's sort of this concept that like I've had swirling around in my head after re-listening to our conversation and then having some conversation with people in Discord and some of the feedback. And it seems to me that people fall in and out of love with this game. And the more time you spend with Tarkov, it's easier to jump in and out. And sometimes for long periods of time, sometimes for not. And I don't think this is a negative thing. It's just an observation. And for me, that's both personally, it's for people that play in Discord and I talk to over DMs a lot. And even of streamers, right? We see people jumping in and out of the game as we get deeper into the white. So kind of to your point, like we get focused on different things. Our mindset changes. And I guess I would relate that to as the complexity of the game reduces as you gain more knowledge and you get more mastery of the game, sometimes the accomplishments I don't know if diminish is the right word, but sometimes they change. Sometimes sometimes they are more impactful when they don't happen. So 
I don't know, man. I find that to be a really interesting thought. So, I mean, will you expand on that? Because I, I actually was thinking similar things while editing last week's show, kind of revolving around mindset as the game is right now. I think at the end of the raid, I was trying to figure out, did I leave my playtime? You know, so did I leave that 45 minutes feeling like it was used in a way that I found to be fun? And was the result of that, did it make me feel like I accomplished anything? And that's an interesting question to answer because Tarkov is punishing to the point where you create your own problems in the end. And I created my own problem in the end to a certain degree. Now, I think that the game design is fine in this situation because it allowed that to happen. And you kind of, you can play like that and you can get aggressive at the end and you can run into that scenario. That is like rolling the dice with Tarkov. So I'm not salty because I died. That, that you know, I, I don't really feel that way. That's just part of the game. I'm disappointed because I had a lot of XP that was done. I actually had a lot of fun during the entire raid, like you had mentioned before, just playing with you. And we had a great time doing that. So I would say that even for the most of the time that we were playing, it was it was pretty fun for me. And I think that the problem is, is that for me personally, it just ended up being a waste of time from the sense of progressing my PMC. and. That's the punishing part about it. So if you want to call that hardcore, some people would. I would just say that's just punishing game mechanics, but, you know, splitting hairs on the definitions of what you want to use. I guess one of the things I want to dig into before we go too far back into the hardcore mindset is if we have somebody that's, you know, new or newer to the game and figuring out other maps, maybe they're not even on shoreline, you know, gear and ammo and a thermal scope and all these things are wildly expensive when you're either in the lower levels or you're still doing a bunch of tasks and you're kind of putting all your your earned rubles into the hideout or into your gear. So I kind of want to go through first, like, what did you feel after the raid regarding your gear, right, that was left on your body with just a couple minutes left? I mean, can you explain, like, were you worried about it? Why were you worried about it? Or was there anything you thought about that was on your body after you died? Not at all. Didn't even give it a second thought. To be honest with you, I was more annoyed because I had to build another helmet with a face shield because that was my last one. I honestly just didn't care. Gear and whatever doesn't mean anything to me in Tarkov because my economy is such and I can make money that it just doesn't matter. I also don't like the task system for this very reason. It's unreasonably punishing, I think, if you really want to progress. Now, that's Tarkov. So like I said, I'm not mad because that, that PMC killed me. He made a good play and I made a bad play. I in no way do I fault him for doing that. And I think the game's fine because of that. What I think is bad is the way the task system is designed and how punishing and how there is no middle ground. So I spent that entire raid of 45 minutes. And if I hadn't been playing with you, I would have lost all of my gear and I didn't get credit for the 25,000 XP worth of tasks that I had done. So I just get to do that again. Right. Now, there are people that love that. And I understand. I mean, it's fun to have that mechanic in some places, but I don't think the game is going to have a lot of longevity with that because I don't think that there are enough people that love it to keep the game going. And the task system in and of itself is not rewarding enough at the end of it to justify the amount of risk and effort that's put in during the process, in my opinion. 
And that's why I think that people end up scabbing all the time. And that's why people are asking for PVE things to do or other ways because the progression is not good enough. Or I should say it's not the progression is not paced well enough in the current task system to make the risk of running a PMC and doing tasks really worth it for most players. Now, again, I'm speaking from a place of strong economy. The money that I lost or gear or whatever, it's not even a blip on the radar. I mean, the next night I played, I did six raids and I made almost 3 million rubles. So I, I mean, it's to me, it's not a, not even a blip on the radar. So if you if you're listening to this, thinking I lost something that was of great value, and now I'm worried about it, it's not at all it. I just am thinking about this from multiple different types of players in their perspective. And I'm thinking about it from someone who only has maybe one or two raids they can play, and you're just not going to play this game. And there are opinions out there that say, well, the game's not meant for them. Okay, well, let's explore that for a minute. If you think that the game is only meant for people who achieve a certain skill level or have 70 hours a week to play, you have to remember that's not very many gamers to begin with, and those people get burned out and quit. And so what you left are with the people that all say the game needs to be harder playing other games (laughs) and not playing the game that they supposedly love so much. Covered a lot of ground there, but my point is to say that I don't I don't feel bad about dying. I don't blame Tarkov's game design for me making a bad decision. I do think that Tarkov has a real problem with the risk versus reward of what you get in the task system. There is no reason to progress your character past the first three Bitcoins per day. It's not necessary at all. That's where the state of the game is. And I think that they are going to fundamentally have to change that because they're just everybody, the casuals, the chads, whatever, however you want to define that, a low time player or a high time player, everybody eventually runs out of reason to play. And you can say, well, it's a seasonal game, so it gets wiped. You know, this is my first wipe at the where everything, all of my progression was lost. And I can tell you, that the next time it gets wiped, I am not excited to progress all the way to where I'm in even now. Because it, it, cause why? <laughs> I don't get anything for it. My account gets completely reset. So that's kind of where I've been thinking about this as I reflect on it in the state of Tarkov. There's some of that that I agree with, some I don't. I think at the um, at the core of it, though, you brought up what I've spent a lot of time thinking about, which is the risk-reward value of the systems in Tarkov. And I think for me, my lens, if you want to understand that before I get my point, is last wipe, I got Kappa. And the reason for that was I felt that doing the tasks for the first time and seeing all of them was enough of a discovery. It was enough of an exploration that it was worth the risk, which was a tremendous amount of capital to get those done. A lot of rubles went into getting those tasks done and a lot of time went into getting them done. But before they implemented find and raid, to me, those extra three slots in my secure container, that reward was worth the risk and the time investment to get it done. This wipe, I don't see Kappa as being worth it with the find and raid change. Because if you die and an item loses its find and raid status, doesn't matter if it's in your secure container or not, the goal is to survive raids. And an extra three slots in my secure container, I'm probably better off just taking in a better backpack or a larger backpack and having more slots there. That's how I view that change particularly. So for me, I look at risk reward and say, the risk is still there. 
to progress through the task system and to work towards Kappa, which is the only reward outside of experience, which can be gotten other ways. There's currency as rewards. There's some unlockables at the traders, some gear that you can only get after you do certain tasks. But at the end of the day, all of that's purchasable on the flea market. So there's this kind of a balancing act of economy versus in-game, and they took a lot of the reward out because of the way they tweaked the systems. And so all of that said, I look at your play style, at least some of the stuff you explained as being from an economy perspective. You have, I don't know if mastered is the right word, but you have an incredibly efficient and successful economy strategy that lets you gear up however you want to gear. So I understand how the reward of leveling up and unlocking more stuff with the traders just doesn't make sense when you can go in and run a couple of raids and get millions of rubles out because of the runs that you've perfected. Totally get that. I think for somebody that hasn't mastered that or is still working on the PvP mechanics or is still working on map knowledge, it comes down to that discovery piece that I was talking about. And there's this awe feeling, this this sense of exploration and the first time you see things or the first time you encounter something. That PvP encounter was cool because we came out on top, but it wasn't the first time that I entered into a 2v2 with two really geared people and we were really geared and then it was became a 2v1 and then I overcame the 1v2. It's not the first time that's happened to me. So it wasn't this like, oh my gosh, that was the greatest PvP experience of my life. It was like, oh man, I got that guy. I was able to get the other guy. got to get out of here, move on and out. Dang it, you didn't get your task done. I wish it was me that died and not you. That was the net effect. It was still a really cool raid. We still had fun, but the reward is just, I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that this is where there's a critical point in development. And it's what we've been talking about over the course of many, many episodes now in PvE, which you mentioned, and then just the reward of progression. And it's just, to me, there's not much there right now. And that's what I find myself desiring is being rewarded for playtime. I'm going to stop there because it's going to take me down a whole nother thought. And I want to give you a chance to talk about some of that too. Well, one of the things I was thinking about while you were talking is you, you mentioned the find and raid change and you described it perfectly. That is exactly probably the root cause of why I don't find Kappa to be useful in, in any way. I also just think that the amount of time that you need to put in to get there, knowing that this is a non-persistent game, just isn't worth it. And it's kind of led me in the last like week to kind of consider this question is how long do you think Tarkov is supposed to be played? Like how how long do you think BSG has designed it from zero time to when someone quits and says, okay, I'm moving on to the next thing? Because I'm starting to feel like I am getting towards the end of the discoverability of Tarkov and the way that the game is designed, the punishing nature of it, and you can call it hardcore or whatever you want, but there are people that play 70 hours a week and they burn out and quit. And then they complain about it or don't say anything, but they move on to something else really quickly, right? Yeah. And because of that, I don't think it's that the game is too hardcore or it's too not hardcore. I think at the very you know center of the problem for BSG is it's repeatability in, in game mechanics because it's, it's uninteresting to be punished to the point where you have to do the same thing over and over and over again 
And at the very end of it, at the very end of the raid, the 45th minute, you could potentially die 10 times and have to do the same thing again for an 11th time. Right. That That's just uninteresting. And and that is, I think, a question or that- Or exhilarating. <laughs> <laughs> it's exhilarating time three or four, but time time 11, if, if you get it, it could be exhilarating for a streamer because it's good content. For a normal player, they're just going to be pissed. At, at the end of a long crawl with Tarkov, what happens is if you're not streaming, if you're not a content creator, you just finally get something. You almost are left with this empty feeling of how much time you wasted to get a simple thing done. And then you look at the next task and it's the same thing, just slightly tweaked. And you're like, ugh. And that's my problem with the tax, with the task system. The design, it's not rewarding for the amount of commiserate to the amount of effort that's put into it, in my opinion. And I'm happy to be disagreed with. I don't think I'm going to be changing my mind on this one, but I, I'm happy to be disagreed <laughs> with. No, I, I think that in different ways, like, again, it comes down to goals, right? We talked about setting our own goals this wipe because of the lack of goals present in the game. And another way that I look at this is I look at people that create their own, is it hardcore rule set? Is it hardcore account or something? I mean, there's they they put these names on these things that they're like, okay, we're gonna take the game and we're gonna we're gonna make it that much harder by this rule set. Like you can only put keys in your secure container. You can't put anything else in there. You can't use the flea market at all. Like which which kind of goes to your point about how long you can play the game, right? What is the amount of time that's meant to be played? And then there's people that are spending a lot of time in game and they're like, okay, well, I need a new rule set because I've completely worked through all the content that's available. So I got to com- create a different rule set that's not in the game. And, and a lot of games have this. This is not Tarkov specific. There's plenty of games that people do this in because they love the environment. They love the concept. So they create their own rule set. Exactly. And there's, a, I think, a critical point in this because gamer culture, it's more acceptable in Tarkov to say that you're going to do a hardcore account, but it's the same exact thing as the player who always scavs. Basically, they've taken the idea of what's fun for them and changed some of the rule set to match what's fun for them, right? They've changed the mechanics and outcome of the game to match what the player is looking for in the experience. And there's no difference fundamentally in those two things. And so I think that there is a lot of different options with Tarkov. And when we get into this discussion of is the game hardcore or not, we're not talking about the right thing. What we're talking about is, is the game designed to have repeatable fun? Games that last forever have this ability to have repeatable fun. And it doesn't need to necessarily be unique and different fun. There are games that haven't changed for years. The original StarCraft is literally 21 years old at this point. And if you log into Battle.net, there's still 5,000 people playing a 21-year-old game that hasn't changed. (laughs) I feel like you're attacking me for playing Diablo 2 every year. (laughs) No, I'm... I'm literally proving the point that game design fundamentally is the only thing that matters. Hardcore is the mindset of the player. It's not the actual game itself. And I think that we get like stuck in these different modes of analyzing it from the wrong perspective because you could be a hardcore scav player. I mean, your goal could be 
purely economy-based and you just want to be the person that goes and loots. And that's fine. You could be you could be a hardcore PMC, going thick every time. You're always broke because you're chatting and dying. That's fine too. There's so many different ways that Tarkov can be played. I just think the context of the hardcore versus not hardcore, the conversation needs to shift a little bit, I guess is my point. Yeah, it's it's been really fun, like reading responses and what people think is and isn't. And, you know, we had some conversations about WoW because we often dig into WoW because it's it's a game we've both played. And I think that's worth mentioning is that one of the interesting parts is that Ronald and I play over the history of our gaming career. We played some similar old titles. But then we kind of went on very interesting and unique paths. And there's a couple crossover games in there. But the only one that we both played a lot was World of Warcraft. So we talk about it a lot because we can both draw on experiences in there. And we both jump in and out of that game in terms of various like engagement with it. I mean, both of us can say we've been like aggressively playing WoW as our main game. And there's times where we just log in to, you know, just sniff around Orgrimmar or something like, it, <laughs> you know, there's... There's all kinds of ways we've engaged with WoW over the years, but we both still have active accounts. So it's a game that we can both draw from. It's been fun to have those conversations and and this whole sort of hardcore question. And the reason I originally asked it was because it gets brought up all the time and it's confusing. And there's all of these different ways that it's manipulated and it's hard to attribute to certain things because it's not clearly defined. And you can say you can use it as a comparison as something more hardcore than this. You can use it as a mindset. I was trying to argue that it is a development concept, but none of that really matters when we're talking about a game we love that seems to be focused on this idea, or at least the player base is focused on this idea right now. And we need more. We need more at the end. You know, I see the five hour a week players dropping off. I see players at the 70 hours a week dropping off. But I also see people in those camps really digging in. And so to your point, I think the critical thing is fun. And I also think it's discoverability. And that's where once you get to a point where you no longer have discoverability and you're either your economy is where you want it, your case empire is what I'm going to call my stash right now, your you know number of PMC kills or whatever you're going after, once you get to that, you set it. What am I doing? It, other than if I'm not progressing my character, it's a waste of time. And this is the fundamental challenge of Tarkov development. That is why I love this conversation. And I want to really just come back to that's that's what I want to see from BSG. And the question that I was, <laughs> was going to ask you, which might not be fair because it was kind of like I didn't want to ask myself, is what needs to change? What needs to happen? And it may be an open-ended question that we leave at the end of this episode because you, you kind of answered it indirectly, I think, unless you want to come back and go directly at it. But that's that's the question that I find myself asking is, what do I want? What do I want from this game? And I, I'm looking at Streets of Tarkov. That's, that's going to be a cool map. There's going to be some discoverability there, which is going to draw me in. But I don't know for how long. I, I still like logging into this game. I love playing the game. I'm not playing it as much as I was. And I'm just wondering 
how great this game could be if we can get that next tiered whatever to drive some more. I, I want to say end game, but it's not even end game, but more depth or something. I don't know, which is a weird thing to say about this game. I think it's a great place to end. We want to know from you in the community what needs to change in Tarkov. That That's this week's question of the week. Let's talk about it in episode feedback. We want to get from you in the community what needs to change in Tarkov. And I really think that that's a good place to start the discussion because we've talked a lot about game design. We've talked about progression systems. we talked about task system, things to keep you engaged while you play. And we've talked a lot about the hardcore mindset and our opinion on it. And now that we've kind of covered those topics in really exhaustive detail, Let's have conversations about if you could change one thing in Tarkov, what would it be? Or if you could change multiple things, what feedback would you give BSG and, and kind of why? What I love about this question is honestly is that there really is no wrong answer. There's so many different ways to play Tarkov that there's going to be so many different ways to answer this. In honestly, we're probably going to find some interesting ideas that we can talk about, flush out. And also, I think it's going to spark some good discussion as different maybe camps of people start to understand each other a little bit better. So yeah. that's our question of the week. And I really think that that'd be a great place to kind of wrap this one up and, and kind of get this done. Well, that's about it. I definitely see the green bar flashing up there. And this time around, I did not get shot before I made it <laughs> to the green bar. So as we ran through the jungle, past the exfil camper guy to the green smoke and rock passage behind the resort, Trigger and I made it. But before we disappear for this week, we want to say a special thank you to everyone who listens and supports the show. Doesn't matter on the platform this week. It's just a thank you to everybody. You guys are awesome. We really appreciate everyone who has uh, sunk their teeth into the XFIL and joined the community. You guys make the community what it is. You make it awesome. Thank you to everyone who plays and picks up people in the LFG channel. And thank you to everyone who goes out of their way to say hi to new people. It's just great. It's honestly what we wanted when we started this, and it's turning into a really fun gaming community in the XP Media Discord that actually includes several games now. And so if you like PUBG, if you like Among Us, if you like World of Warcraft, if you want to talk about computer parts and upgrading your PC, all that stuff is available now in the XP Media Discord, and the community just is kind of expanding on each one of those topics. So thank you to everybody. That's pretty much it for this week. I'm going to say the same thing I say every week, which is good luck with your raids. And if you're a scav only, I hope you make lots of money. If you're a Chad PMC, I hope that I get to shoot you on your way up to resort. And I hope you all have a good week. Yeah, same. And one quick thing before we finally sign out here. I want to throw this out there and I didn't know exactly how to say it earlier, but I had one of the coolest conversations over DMs. And I'm not saying DM me every time you disagree with me, but I had a conversation with a guy that basically disagrees with my entire viewpoint on Tarkov. And it was actually one of the like coolest conversations I've had because we got to talk about like where we disagree and why. And and I understand their points. I just see it differently. And ultimately, I play games to have fun in my play style. And I see things differently than people. And the fact that I could have a respectful, deep conversation with someone that completely <laughs> disagrees with me was really, really cool. And that is why 
and love this community. So it's okay if you disagree. It's okay if you don't understand. It's okay if I confuse you or you don't quite understand where I'm coming from. You may confuse me and that's okay. And it's just really cool to be somewhere where someone's comfortable enough to reach out to me and say, hey, hey man, I don't agree with anything you said and here's why. And we had a bunch of DMs back and forth. So that's all for this week, you guys. Um, no particular platform like Ronald said, but I also want to wish you a great week in game. I uh, hope to see you out there on the battlefield. If we see you in raid, I'm definitely going to shoot at you. If you're lucky enough, you'll get to run through the woods and I won't be able to hit you. So anyway, that's all we got for this week. Have a great one. Hope the raids go well. We'll see you very soon. Take it easy.